Hello and welcome to That's So Craven. We are now streaming live on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube and Twitch. Make sure you follow us on all social media and subscribe to be notified when a live recording starts. Please, please, please share That's So Craven with your Fulham friends to keep our community growing. We hope you enjoyed today's episode and come on you whites. Freed from desire, mind and senses purified. Freed from desire, mind and senses purified. Freed from desire, mind and senses purified. Freed from desire. Hello and welcome to the That's So Craven podcast, your Fulham podcast from Down Under. Here today to discuss the upcoming game with Brentford, looking to do the double over Brentford for the first time in the league since 1947. Uh, here to discuss it all with me today, I have Elton. How are we? Oh, very well, thank you very much. Uh, hello to everyone. And Sammy, how are you going? Yeah, I'm good. Sorry, some, something just flew over my house. I live really close to an airport. It just shook my whole house and my windows were shaking for a bit. But aside from that, I'm great. Yeah. I thought it sounded like a bird in the background, but it no, turns out it was an aeroplane. Yeah, it was a lot. <laughs> uh, so, as I said, we're here to talk about the Fulham-Brentford game. So, last time these two teams met in the league, um, Fulham coming out 3-2 winners, that last-minute Alexander Mitrovic header, which for those watching on the live stream, you can see that wonderful photo of him getting over the top of the Brentford right back on the day. Um, what a goal it was. One of the only good things Mbabu did for Fulham while he was at Fulham was swing that ball in for Mitro to head home over the top of Rico Henry, I think it was. Um, so, guys, let's get straight into it. This is uh, another nighttime game for us. It's away this time at Brentford, uh, Monday night, 8pm. Uh, and obviously for us over here in Australia, it's a Tuesday morning, 4am in WA and 7am for you over in Melbourne, Sammy, and on the East Coast. Uh, really looking forward to this game. Um, Dad... After beating Brentford last time around, although it was a little bit squeaky bum time with the 90th minute winner, um, how are we feeling going into this game? I feel that uh, we've actually regained a little bit of steadiness over the last couple of weeks. I think I think ever since we nicked that win at uh, at Brighton, we have looked a bit better. I know, I know the results haven't been huge. We haven't scored a lot of goals, but I just felt like um, we have turned a little bit of a corner in recent form. So I'm, I'm obviously a good side, local derby, all that kind of stuff, uh, but I'm not too concerned. I think if we keep our composure, we'll be just fine. Yeah, I'd, I'd probably agree with that. Sammy, uh, talking of sort of recent form being good, I'm just pulling it up on the screen I've uh, just noticed the, the Leeds result there is incorrect. But both teams are actually in really good form at the moment. Fulham with four wins out of the last five games. The only time we dropped points was uh, that one-all draw with Wolves in the league. Um, and Brentford also on a really good run as well, uh, unbeaten in their last five. Um, some good results as well, a draw against Arsenal. Um, they did drop points against Leeds and Crystal Palace. So you'd probably expect them to beat and then wins against Southampton and Bournemouth. Um, Sammy, knowing what... Brentford alike and how well they've done in the league this season, sitting in the top half. How are you feeling going into this game? I mean, like, you can never be overly confident with uh, a London derby, but I I do like our chances. There's also just, there's just so much going on at Brentford right now that um, uh, Fulham's a much calmer place to be. I feel that we are much more uh, just... Like we have a system, we have a thing going. It's good form. We, there's there's no clutter. There's no white noise going on with us. So I, yeah, I think that puts us in a much stronger position than they are. Although I am, yeah, just looking at like the numbers, it's it's pretty even between us and them. I'd say like you could maybe argue that our form is slightly better, but yeah, it's yeah. Pretty consistent. These are the, these are two of the most consistent teams in the prem right now. So, yeah, it's hard to it's hard to it's hard to judge. Yeah, especially not, outside the. Sorry, Jack. I was just going to say, you can't sniff at a one-all draw with Arsenal. That no, that's a good not. result. Yeah. However, you did it. That's a good result, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, one one thing I will say, and it's something that um, Reese Kemp is following along on the YouTube live at the moment has just raised. Brentford have had a large break since their last game. 
Not sure if this is positive or negative. And it's interesting, Brentford's last game was against Crystal Palace. That was on the 18th of February. So they have had quite a long break. We're looking at, what's that, 10, um, 13, well, like two weeks, a little bit over two weeks by the time they come up against Fulham. Um, it sometimes can be quite tough for teams when you have a break that long. You see it after international breaks, especially when some teams really struggle to bounce back from that much time off. They will obviously would be working hard on the training pitch, but um, being outside of game scenarios for that amount of time, when you consider, I think in, in that period of time, we've played Brighton Wolves and Leeds. So we've had three games mm. in the last two weeks. They, they'll have had one since that mm. Brighton game for Fulham. Um, and an interesting result, that Crystal Palace game as well for them. They, they scored in the sixth minute of injury time to draw one all in that game. So um, it, it seems like it, there's there's consistency in getting results, but maybe not the consistency in their actual performances. When you look at a, a really solid battling win against Arsenal, although Arsenal probably should have won that with a, a VAR call that was incorrectly made, and then a six-minute um, into injury time equaliser against Crystal Palace. Maybe the results don't tell the full story, and I know we, we look at these last fives fairly often. One thing that does tell the story, though, which I'll pull up on the screen, is um, the, the table at the moment. So Fulham's still sitting... Um, very nicely, although we've dropped down uh, after Liverpool's good form recently. They've jumped up to sixth. Brentford's sitting four points behind us in ninth place, although they do have two games in hand over us. Dad, because they do have two games in hand, uh, do you think this adds a bit of importance to this game? Because, you know, with with four points between the two teams, if Brentford win, they have a game in hand and just one point behind us. If they lose, uh, they they have two games in hand over us, but we have that seven point gap all of a sudden, which actually can't get overtaken. Do you think that adds a bit of importance to this game in terms of league position? I think there's a psychological importance from that perspective, and obviously two games in hand is a potential six points if you do it right. But I think the biggest story here, and you know, we. We literally had a pod before this pod talking about all the things going on at Brentford. And, and there's there are clearly some very significant changes about to to come down the road, which um, will have a major impact on their goal-scoring capability and therefore their points-gathering capability going forward. So um, it would be nice to win this one, get the three points, or certainly not even give them a point, to creep anywhere closer to us because at six points, even if they won their, their next two and we didn't get another win, um, you know, we're still even with them. Um, I think, uh, look, I think, I think it's a London derby. We're not tops, top four teams. It's always going to be a massive scrap. Um, you know, if QPR were playing us next week in the cup, it would be a massive scrap. They're mm. local um, they're local derbies. And so everyone's always going to be up for them. And I think it's important to win those because uh, it, it just it just is, regardless of the points. Mm. Yeah. And, Sammy, on that, I guess after this Brentford game, we have another London derby, which is against Arsenal, who are just in such good form at the moment. We saw them put four past Everton uh, over, over the course of this week. Um, do you think that adds even more importance to this game because of the run of fixtures we've got. Obviously, we know the Liverpool game's now been moved, so it, it does break it up a little bit. But with Brentford, who are always going to be a tough game for us, and then Arsenal straight afterwards, do you think it means we just need to pick up those points at Brentford a little bit more importantly than maybe we did at the start of the season when we played them in the third week of the season? And, you know, it's not a throwaway as such, but at least you know that you've got time to pick those points back up again. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely good for morale, isn't it? And um, with everything that we've got going on, uh, and especially going into games like Arsenal, I think the guys would see it as a bit more important. Although, like, it, it's Brentford. It's probably, like, I think, um, like, Fulhamish even said, it's, uh, like, Brentford's the game that we want to lose the least and Chelsea's the game that we want to win the most. So yeah. with that in mind, it's always going to incentivize players a lot more. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's yeah, it's hard because you you're right, like logic kind of goes out the window with um 
games like this when it's more emotionally charged. Like, it doesn't matter where Chelsea is sitting on the table. If we beat Chelsea, we've we've won the Premier League as far as we're concerned. And the same kind of applies to Brentford. So, yeah, of course it's going to be important to us. And it's going to massively dictate how we approach Arsenal. Because, look, if we get thumped by Brentford, then that's going to affect how we play. Um, vice versa, if we absolutely spank them, then yeah, we're gonna we're gonna go into Arsenal trotting. So, yeah, yeah. Can no, I, I Jack? That's... Can I say? Yes. Yeah. So, can I say, Jack? Um, one one thing, um, one thing we don't get to experience and enjoy um, living in Australia and watching this through a TV screen is the buzz in the stand and in the crowd that you feel and you sense when things are going well. We we can sense it through Twitter. We can sense it through engagement with the pod. We know how we bounce and everyone bounces when we do well against our favourite foes. And so it, it actually just highlights how important it is to win these kinds of games because it does give the team and, and the, the crowd in their following and support it bleeds onto the pitch, and I think it helps the players and it helps the club. So it's hugely important. Mm. Yeah, well, we no, beat, we beat them very early in the season as well, and I feel like that really, really set us up because that set us on a really, really good trajectory. And that's we've kind of just been carrying that on ever since. Ask you uh, a question, I, Jack. Jack, no, I, I, I was. You. I, I didn't have a question actually. Um, no, Jack, I'm not asking you. you. <laughs> uh, I, I was. You. Go on. Since we last played Brentford, who do you think has actually done better? Forget the points. Who do you think has actually progressed more as a team, Brentford or Fulham? Oh, well, Fulham, e- easily, hands down. Uh, I, I was having a look at the, the lineup from the last game, and it's similar to the points we made when we looked at the Wolves game as well and, and how the lineups have changed slightly. And, you know, we... When we played Brentford last time, we we had Stansfield starting. I still love Stansfield and hope that he comes back a better player for next season. But he, he's not a Premier League player at, at this stage, um, uh, even though he, he was very impressive in those games. But we, we had Stansfield and uh, Decadover-Reed both starting on the wings. And I think if you look at where we are now, with um, hopefully Solomon starting on the weekend and Willian on the wings... Uh, create creatively. We're so far ahead of where we were last this time mm. um, earlier this season. You look at the fact we had um, Adarabio starting at the back, and I'm a big fan of Tosin, but Diop has proved to be so much more solid now. And I think those goals that we did concede against Brentford, I think the first one was a, was a good finish and a good goal, but the Ivan Tony one was was a bit of a defensive breakdown. And then if you look at who we brought off the bench when we played Brentford last time, we had Shane Duffy and Babu and Kenny come on. Um, and I think now you're looking at the bench and you're bringing on just much better players. You know, Wilson and Solomon were both injured by this point in the season already. Uh, I, I just think we're in a better position entirely from where we were uh, at the start of the year. And we've we've managed to just pick up points where we shouldn't be picking up points. Got to remember as well, this Brentford team have been in the Premier League for a bit longer than we have now um, and, you know, perform so well. Uh, they've got they've made some really clever signings. They've got a really solid side, um, picked up Ben Mee in defence. Tony's obviously been great for them. Um, Wisser and Mbwemo on the wings are brilliant players as well. But I think you do have to look at the points and look at the table and see that we've performed better. And we, we're probably... Um, at full strength, I'd say we're a better side than Brentford. Um, it's just the fact that, unfortunately, this weekend we're not going to be at full strength, um, uh, which is actually the point that I wanted to talk about next, and I'll just pull up um, a potential lineup for us. And, um, Sammy, you're Polinia's biggest fan. We all know that. That's uh, true. Talk to us about how much of an impact it's going to have not having Polinia on the pitch on the weekend. You know what? It is. It, it obviously is but um if you compare like say Brentford to Brighton when how Brighton just flood a midfield with like players um i 
I could be wrong here, but I always remember Brentford essentially playing quite a wide game and then essentially trying to target Ivan Tony. So I do feel that because we we're, we're strong in those areas, we have um Tete Robinson, uh you could you could probably make an argument that uh if you're starting somebody like William, they're not going to be as defensively savvy as a Bobby Deckard over Reed. Um but Overall, I really like Sasa Lukic. I really like what he does. And you know what? I, I don't see Brentford as a um, uh, a meaty, glorified rugby team like a Burnley, for example. Uh, <laughs> and so like, I don't see them as like um, a, a team that like rough up uh, an opposition. And those are the games where you need uh, a Palina or like those are the games where it's amazing to have him there to essentially take charge and essentially keep oppositions at bay. Whereas I feel that this one is going to be way more tactically savvy. So I'm like, I'm, I'm quite excited to see what Sasa Lukic actually brings if he has a full 90 minutes. And I think he's, I think he's a really exceptional player and everything that I've seen from him doesn't necessarily give me a reason to be overly worried. I think it's going to be interesting to see him in the first team. Dad, obviously we, we saw him play a full 90 minutes against Leeds and he did look um, fairly good. Uh, what, are you expecting him to play in a Polina role where he's the main man making the tackles? Or do you think we'll, we could possibly see Harrison Reed take on Polina's physical tackling role and Lukic maybe move a little bit further forward because he's got good passing and good dribbling abilities? Regardless of what I think, um, my expectation of how um, Silver will play it is that I think Silver's quite conservative. You know, I don't think he makes wild changes. I don't think he dramatically changes things up. He'd look at Reed and go, "I've actually fashioned Reed into exactly what I want from him. I've turned him into this sort of." <clears throat> hard-working defensive midfielder to now a guy who <clears throat> does push forward and is prepared to have a shot on goal and he's got a goal two under his belt. I don't think he's going to mess with that. And so I think he will try and instruct um, Lukic to do a Polina. And I think he'll he'll ask Reed to play his normal role. I don't think he will tinker with that. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think you're probably right. Um, he he does seem to be um, similar to Polina, probably not as defensively able as Polina, but who is? And, mm. and possibly a slightly better passer than Polina. Um, I'd love to say that he's as good a shooter as Polina as well because, geez, wouldn't you love something like that after the goals we've seen him score so far this season? Um, looking at the lineup that I have put out here, um, we've re-included Solomon finally back into the lineup, and Dad, I'll throw to you: Is there a way that Marco Silva doesn't pick Solomon after scoring? Um, is it three, three and three, or four and four now? Off four the and bench? four, four and four off the uh, not off the bench, but four goals in four games. How can Silva justify not starting him after he played a full 80, 81 minutes uh, in the game against Leeds? I, I bet Marcus Silva doesn't look at it the way the whole world of Fulham supporters is looking at this or has looked at this. He probably thinks he's executing a carefully laid out plan that he and his team have mapped out over the last sort of eight weeks for how this guy is going to be reintroduced. And it's been a dream run, if you think about it. We we want more and more and more. But how much more than a goal every time this guy gets on the pitch could you really expect? You might want more, but you couldn't expect more. And so as little as the time has been that he's actually been on the ground, he's actually delivered an enormous amount, right? So, but you're talking about starting it. And I've always been, I have been one to say that I I get that if, if you're really unsure of how far, how much this guy's got in the tank, you you don't want to start him and then have to pull him at halftime if he's really totally cooked. We've already got someone like that, you know, I say this carefully, but William, 
I, I think he's very careful with the fragility that is Willian in terms of physical fitness, right? I think he, yeah. he's, he's clearly worth more than a half. He's got more than that, but he does. I think he's laconic rather than exhausted, but he's got that mm. tired look about him. He looks, he looks exhausted when he's probably got a lot more. So it's a bit hard to measure it. But I, I think that um, can, can Marcus Silva actually lead him out? From a crowd perspective, no. And I think the last game proves that he actually can. Um, he, he, he can probably get to 70, 80 minutes pretty comfortably. If, if it's a very, very fast-paced game, and we've got to press high and chase high, and they've got the ball and he's running really hard for 20 or 30 minutes, maybe that exhausts him more than we'd be comfortable with. But I, I, think, I think he's done so much now and he's got reasonable... He's got clearly got reasonable fitness. He starts. I, I, I'll retort fractionally on the calling, saying Willian gets tired. There's not many games. I'm just looking through his stats for the majority of the season. There's not many times he gets pulled off before about the 80th minute. And mm. so I, I think if you've got a very tired player who can't make it through those games, he's coming off in the 70th minute. Or, or, or maybe the 60th minute to give someone a half hour. If you're making it to the 80th minute in most games, a lot of those changes are tactical, fresh legs, and you're pulling off multiple other players at that point as well. Um, if, if you can make it through 80 minutes comfortably, I don't think you are a liability in terms of fitness at that point. And don't, I think don't you if think Solomon William can, looks like he's exhausted, though. Don't you think he's got that look? So, yeah, I think he looks like older. that from about the twentieth minute onwards. Though I think he, <laughs> yeah. he just has that look on his face where he always looks a bit tired. Um, but I, I don't I, actually I, think he's knackered. I think he's still got legs left in him, and it shows by the stats. He's making making the end of almost every single game this season, and he's only getting pulled off for tactical reasons. I, I don't think there's many times where he's just been so knackered we have to drag him. I, I I have a I have a um, a devil's advocate um, because you, the original question was uh, how can you justify uh, not starting Solomon and I feel that I can kind of justify not starting Solomon as unpopular as it might be because I think um, William is great to essentially start off a game and when oppositions are tired because essentially we've run them down I think Solomon is an amazing option to bring on better than the other way around so um starting solomon and then bringing on william and as like because solomon is our long-term option uh william we really i i reckon honestly maybe max two seasons of him realistically if if that maybe a year extension on his contract he's not he's not long term and he's really just kind of like in a bit of a placeholder position which i'm really really happy with i think he adds a lot for what he's doing right now but I think um, long-term Solomon is the guy. So I'm quite happy to essentially uh, start a game off with William and then have Solomon come on and do magic and have the freedom to do magic. I'm, um, I'm going to yeah. disagree with that. Uh, firstly, I just looked You're up. You're allowed to. We'll, we keep talking William old and saying how old he is. He's actually seven days older than me, which makes me feel even older. Yeah. Um, and wonder what I've done with my life, the fact that he's out there playing Premier League football still. Um, what I will say is we we talk about it almost every week and we say you should put your best team out on the park. I think if we look at who our best players in the whole team are, in the whole squad, um, Solomon is probably, in terms of just pure talent, he'd be up there with Polina and maybe Mitro. And then Willian's close in behind them. But I think Solomon is probably our most naturally talented player. And there's the other aspect of we need to try and keep him. And if you're bringing him off the bench, he doesn't want to be a bench player. But also, why can't we put them both in the team together? I know it would mean mm, playing well, one of them yeah. slightly out of position. But I, I think saying you've got this great player who can come off the bench and score a goal all the time, if you've got a player like that, then he should be starting. If someone's able to that. come on come on and play 20 minutes and score every single time, give him 90 minutes and he'll still score every single time, but also play more and do more as well. But the fitness thing is is definitely a, a valid criteria for, for Silver to be considering, Jack, because uh, no course, question yeah. no question that he's in the top three or four of our most skillful players. 
He's also in form. He's scoring goals, blah, blah, blah. But if he, you know, he's playing on a wing and if he can't do a defensive job for you because he's just so mm. exhausted, you, you're a bit vulnerable. He's only doing half the job. Um, I, but anyway, I think he can. he's, proved, I, I he's also, proved that. He's proved that. I also now. Think he's, he's fit. You, you talked about um, how Silver would have a plan for him. And I guarantee there's a hundred point plan for his return to football. But also, I believe you you pull forward your plan as well when something is happening like this. When a player, mm. you you want to slowly reintroduce him and get his fitness back, but he's coming on and dominating games in the short amount of time he's playing. You pull that you pull that plan forward and go right. We actually need to reintroduce him earlier than we're expecting to. Even if it means he's only playing sixty minutes and getting subbed off very early in a game, I still think you need to put him on. And get when he's him, that you know, amongst the team, yeah. yeah. When he's that good, I agree with you. And and even also to your point about super sub effectiveness, Sam, I think the ascendancy that you get from having from nicking an early goal and a really inspiring goal is invaluable. Yeah, the whole the whole team lifts can, when he when he curls at round three players, the whole mm. team lifts, mm. and yeah. the opposition's head goes, and they they start to believe this is all a little bit impossible, and that's really valuable. And I don't think you want to um, pigeonhole him too much either, and say you're just a player who comes off the bench and and wins us points. Oh, of course um, not. Of course not. That's yeah, extreme, especially when you're trying to sign him long term. Yeah. Anyway, I think we're pretty um, comfortable that the, the obvious change that's going to definitely happen is Lukic will come in for Palina. Um And then I think we're all hopeful, I guess, that Solomon and Willian both start the game. But I wouldn't be overly surprised to see Solomon start on the bench again. I wouldn't be surprised if Solomon started on the left and maybe we started uh, Dekudova Reed on the right and had Willian start on the bench and then come off for that last half hour maybe to see if we need to make changes and and make something happen. Uh, it's it's in Silver's head. Let's hope. We're, we're sure he always does make the right decision. Let's hope it's uh, the one we see on the screen at the moment for us, though. Um, we'll move on and have a quick chat about the Brentford team. Um, there's obviously one big talking point to go through, but I'll just read out the team that they had um, in the last game. They had Raya in goal, who we all know from that uh, amazing non-save he made to the um, Joe Bryan free kick. Uh, across the back, Hickey, Pinnock, me, and Rico Henry. Uh, through the middle, De Silva, Jensen, and Norgard. And then up front, Mbuemo, Wissa, and Ivan Tony. Um, Sammy, uh, without touching on Brentford's striker too much, um, Brentford team, they've, they've obviously put a really good team together. Um, I'm looking at people like Ben Mee, who was one of Burnley's best players uh, before they got relegated. Uh, and Buemo's been great. Norgard's been great. Uh, how, how do you see this one playing out? How do you see us actually breaking down this Brentford side? I mean, I, admittedly, I don't know enough about Brentford. All like, all I can really speak to is um, the highlights that I've seen of them, and just last time we played them. Uh, from memory, I remember Jensen actually being kind of a handful and being quite a commanding presence. Um, although my memory could be wrong uh i remember wisa as well actually being pretty strong um i think overall though even even with our palina we have a a better more cohesive team i know they have built something and um something very reputable i obviously very attacking style lots of flair and um they can grind out games but i still think that we actually are the better side um maybe that's bias uh but i it is yeah yeah, yeah of course fine. and like look i i feel i feel that with those extremely attacking sides um you do kind of uh create the what do you call it the opportunities that they've had because yeah they're they're they're, they're giant beaters that's what they're that's what they're known for doing they're known for toppling very very big sides which they shouldn't necessarily do it man city man united um being competitive with arsenal and tottenham and the list kind of goes on um but o overall that's not how you create a, a strong position in the premier league uh i if if you i i wouldn't trade essentially 
our squad for theirs. You know? Yeah, I think that's that's fair. I I think they've got some really good players there, but I, I think if you go man for man, um, I, I'd probably pick Fulham's squad almost for every single player there. Um, mm. Dad, I'll throw to you, though, for Reese Kemp, who put in a question to us. Um, which players from the Brentford team would you want at Fulham? Um, well, what I was going to say before I could I just say something before I answer that question is that as much as we focus on Tony as being a, a, a prolific goal scorer and he's done really well, there's a lot of goals around those other players as well. And Buebo, Wiesa, Norgaard, De Silva, even me's got a couple. I think it's like 18 goals between me, De Silva, Jensen. Embuebo and Wiesa, which is a lot, mm. right? So um, we we shouldn't be thinking that he's their only outlet. They they, they scored a lot of goals. Um, in terms of who I would want, um, uh, after <laughs> after I, I better not say this. I'll get in trouble if I say this. Um, no, I'm not going to go there. Um, I kind of want you to go I there. Don't... I'm just going to put that yeah. <laughs> But, yeah. Yeah. I, I was going to say, uh, uh, after uh, therapy and, and, you know, a couple of years on a, on a, on a farm um, and, a re- <laughs> and repro- reprogramming, you know, yeah. wouldn't, wouldn't you love... Uh, a couple of ayahuasca's. Ivan Tony is a partner for uh, for Mitro pretty pretty handy striker yeah. um right, you've you've pulled a full sam there by not answering the question for about 3 minutes before you actually got to it but i liked um, his answer <laughs> i was into it i, I was just I'll, being I'll, a little bit cautious <laughs> I, i'll i'd actually take a, a ben me at the moment i think he's such a good defender and uh, tony is obviously their best player by a long long way but in terms of what we need in the Fulham squad at the moment, I think having another good centre-back um, to add to Tosin, Diop and Ream would be handy. Um, I think they've also got a good midfielder in Norgard as well who can score goals and um, and create as well as sort of get stuck in, in the midfield too. So there's a couple of players there who I'd take, but I, I don't think they'd be taking any starting positions. I think they'd be taken as... Um, more rotation sort of players. Sammy, for you, which player? Oh, it's Tony. Like I'll, I'll, I, I won't lean into the controversy, but in terms of the actual player themselves, like I, 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 I really think they're truly exceptional. I think they're an incredible striker. I think they add so much to that Brentford team. I could. I could try to be clever and say uh, Jensen or even 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 Araya because I think um, they're a very capable goalkeeper. They would be second to Leno, obviously. But um, I th- I think uh, Tony is somebody that you can build essentially any squad around. Um, and I think if you if you took him and put him directly in Fulham tomorrow, it wouldn't take you very long to essentially rehash like our squad dynamic around him because I think he's a player that adds a lot. That's coming from somebody who loves Mitrovic and respects him to hell. It's not a slight at Mitrovic. That's more of a credit to Ivan Tony, the player. I think he's he's obviously a class striker. We, you know, he scored 14 times in the league this season. He he always looks dangerous whenever we play him. He's, mm. you know, on the edge of getting an England call up as well. So he's definitely a talented striker. Mm. I don't think there's any he, doubt about that. He really is that player where, like, there is so much anxiety. Like, I, I can only think of, like, a couple of players that have that energy about them that just create genuine fear when you have when they have the ball. And it's not even something that, like, can be orchestrated by, like, a media. It's just something you feel. Like, you know when, like, Harry Kane gets the ball, there is a real kind of, like, sense of anxiety and uncertainty or, like, a Haaland when they have the ball. He, he has that. And you can't... Yeah. You can't, you can't, Manor. you can't write that down. You can't. Uh, sorry, words. what was that? Then? Two words: Manor Solomon. Yeah, I was oh, going to say. It's yeah, a... and yeah, but you're right. You are right. He. It Manor... is the same feeling though. When yeah. when that player gets the ball, you you 
hold your breath a bit because you're expecting something to happen. And mm. when Tony has a chance, he always looks like he's going to take it. And I think it's it's been down to good keeping. The other, I will mention you mentioned Raya there as well. He is a, a, a very good keeper. Although I don't I don't think he was that good when we played him last time because he got beaten by from by Joe Bryan from 45 yards. But mm. um, rub that one in a couple of times. But um, if, I'd say if you take look him at, as a backup. If you look at the the other fourteen, they put out uh, fairly regularly on Twitter um, a lot of stats from the the teams outside of the top six, and David Raya is always right up there with Burnt Leno as one of the best performing keepers in the league this season. He he makes a lot of saves. Uh, a lot of his saves uh, weirdly have been from outside the box, which is not something Burnt Leno has had to do very often. A lot of Leno saves have actually been from within the six yard box, which is. Um, an anomaly that we we don't see very often, um, but Raya he, he's a good keeper, and you know we do have to be at our best to to get past him. Uh, and fortunately, I think we've got good enough players to beat him from from distance and from close in. So, be very interesting. Uh, what we will do, we will talk a little bit about the the elephant in the room of Ivan Tony, and um, obviously since we last potted, um, he's come forward and accepted multiple charges of the breaches from the FA's betting rules. Um, he was obviously charged with 262 charges back in November and December. Um, that was the 232 at the start, and then a further 30 were added after that. Um, it was while he was a, a Newcastle player. Um, that's when it started, when he went on loan to Scunthorpe. But it, but it does stretch all the way through to his time as a Brentford player over a period, I think, of four years in total. Um, so he has accepted some of those charges, but... We do expect that he will be playing this weekend. Um, Brentford have sort of stuck with him the whole time, although the situation has changed slightly where he those those charges obviously got put to him initially um, and he hadn't admitted to any any wrongdoings at that point. The fact that he has now accepted some of those charges does change it a little bit. Um, and it'd be interesting to see if... Um, if Brentford changed the way that they handle the situation at all because he's accepted some of those charges. Um, Dad, you know, we, we did speak about it previously. I think we've spoken about it on the podcast a couple of times. Um, the ethical dilemma for Brentford, um, and, you know, we tried to relate it back to us. It's hard to relate it because, you know, if we, we say if the same thing happened to Mitrovic, we'd hope the club, you know, doesn't play him. But when they're such an important player... You, you do get torn a little bit as to what the what you want to happen. We all know what the the right thing is in this situation. Um, do do you think Brentford have handled it appropriately up to now, considering the charges weren't previously accepted? That's the whole point about ethics, Jack. Is it, it, knowing what the right thing is and then doing it, not feeling torn, sure, but doing sure. it. And, you know, as much as I love Mitrovic, you know, I'd have to uh, be straight up about it if he did something that was ethically wrong, not, you know, parked his, double parked his car, um, um, I'd feel really uncomfortable about actually the club backing him and just sticking their chin out and opportunistically um, refusing to... Uh, look beyond a, a, a player that's obviously a really good footballer and doing the business for them. So um, I don't, I don't. It's it's. I don't think it's a difficult position for for Brentford to be in. It's really s- straightforward. Generally speaking, if there's a question mark over someone in public life, then the right thing to do is to stand aside. It hasn't happened. Mm-hmm. You know the guy. The guy is innocent till proven guilty. That's the way our system works, right? But there is a bit of a whiff around 230 uh, ac- accusations. It's not just, yeah. sorry, sorry, 262. It doesn't matter. We're talking more than three, uh, mm. which which could have been a, a case of mistaken identity or whatever. It's clearly huge. He's just sort of, um, I, don't, I don't really know, what his personal position has been on that, but certainly the club um, have sort of left the FA to work through that one. And until the FA uh, 
emailed them and wrote to them and probably posted a letter on their door, they, they don't seem to have been very keen to do anything about it. So I don't think it's a difficult position for them at all. If you want to be ethical about it, uh, it's pretty straightforward. Mm. I Yeah, I, I think ethically the, the right thing to do would be to basically sideline Tony until um, the FA have made a, a final decision, which... There, there's some reports that they won't make a decision until about April, so we could see him play for a fair bit more still in this season. Um, it's interesting that, uh, you know, looking at previous instances where something like this has happened, uh, Trippier was banned from all football-related activity for 10 weeks after being found guilty um, in 2020. That was uh, during his uh, move from Newcastle to Atletico Madrid. Um there was Joey Barton, who was with Burnley at the time. He got an 18-month ban, which was reduced down to 13 months. That was for placing 1,260 bets on football matches over a period of seven years. Um, Tony sort of Good, sits eh? somewhere in the middle of that. Um, Sam, how, how long do you think Tony, because he has accepted some of these charges, let's say he gets charged with 200 and somehow gets off of 60 that he's challenging, Um how long do you expect Tony will be out for? And how much do you think that's going to affect Brentford as well for the rest of the season? Expecting that he, he would miss from, let's say, the start of April. So probably the last 10 games of Brentford's season. Mm. Uh, yeah, I could see him being gone for probably about a year, just out of principle. And I imagine that um, the best course of action his um, legal team would probably have would to come somewhere between Trippier and uh, I can't remember the name of the other player. I'm sorry, it escapes me. Um, that would be their best defense. So I imagine they would. We're probably looking at a year, maybe ten months. I imagine. I honestly, I could see Brentford having the equivalent of a new manager bounce and essentially them galvanizing for a, a hot minute and being like, we can do it even without him, and essentially maybe winning a couple of games following whatever pending decisions happen. And then from that point, it start to go down. Uh, can I say... Start, yeah, oh, yeah. Sorry. sorry. Can I say, Tony ostensibly, so he's accused, he's put his hand up now, it's, mm. it's, it's kind of finished. Right, he's put his hand up, and he said he's he's guilty. So, the FA now, uh, apart from the the um, uh, charges that he's questioning, uh, are now simply left to determine what the punishment's going to be. But yep. now, whilst Brentford could have said all along, well, he's innocent until proven guilty. The moment he actually puts his hand up and says guilty, it's now on Brentford to make an ethical decision. Because they yeah. now he's put his hand up and said guilty. Yeah. So let's yeah. see what they do. Yeah, yeah. It's really and interesting. It's really so. Like for like for me as for me as well. Like, um, Ivan Tony's uh, actions purely affect Ivan Tony in the sense that like obviously gambling affects like the people around him directly. But um, uh, if you compare it to, and I'm going to tread very lightly, but if you compare it to like things that happened with Mason Greenwood where that is so much more serious you can argue and that actually physically puts people in physical peril um it's it's a no-brainer in terms of like just completely cutting ties and just saying no we are we are out with Ivan Tony it's a very kind of internal thing within Ivan Tony so I don't agree with what Brentford have done but I can kind of not necessarily understand it because that's definitely not the right word. And I don't want to be seen as doing that, but they're just kind of going, eh, we'll, we'll, we'll play him until we essentially can't anymore. Well, and, I, yeah. I think dad said it's you innocent until proven guilty. Um, hmm. Up until now, if, if you're going with that, he he's innocent because yeah. he hadn't admitted right. to any charges. Um, so that's why this game in particular is, is an interesting one to see how Brentford handle it because he has been innocent up until this point. The fact yeah. is he's now come forward and admitted to charges and therefore he is no longer innocent. He's, he's said that he's guilty. Um, so it depends now on Brentford if they 
decide to act ethically or if they decide to say, well, actually the FA are the ones who decide if he is allowed to play or not. And so we'll wait until they make their decision, which I, I, mm. I reckon they will. And I, I do understand that as well, because at the end of the day, we talk about it a lot. It, it is a business and he is your your number one player in your business. So I, I understand why you wouldn't sideline him unless he absolutely had to. Yeah, integrity is nah, a on, funny little on, game. It's, on, it's Integrity is funny, isn't it? Because it's very specific to everybody. And yeah, you can totally say, this is a business. We want to run our business. Or you can take an ethical stand on it. And I can't, I can't, I don't speak for Brentford, so I can't say what they should and shouldn't do really. But at the end of the day, I know what I would do. Businesses, public or private, and their shareholders are very, very straightforward in terms of what the objectives are. It's just to make money. Sporting clubs, fan-based sporting clubs are an entirely different thing. And mm. you are, it's, it's, it's a whole enterprise based around, you represent fans and fans feel a huge affinity with the club. And I think you've got a responsibility to act in a way that actually represents the whole culture of the club. And be careful if you don't. Also, uh, as well, th- like yeah, yeah, sorry, no, Jack, you go. I, I was going to say, I, I think you, you're you're right, but that's not actually what football clubs are. And I think we, Shame, we see it, it when we when we look at the ticket prices for the Leeds game and the fact that the there were you know six thousand empty seats at what should have been one of Fulham's biggest games across the last you know fifteen years, and it, it wasn't because of that. Um, and it's meant to be a club for the local community and, you know, doing the right thing all the time. But at the end of the day, if you finish one place higher in the Premier League, you get an extra 10, 15 million pounds in your pocket. And if if you get even higher in the Premier League and get into Europe, you get another 100 million pounds in your pocket. So sure. resting the player that can get you that when at the end of the day, you have to turn a profit and you want to make as much money as possible. And the owners of these clubs see these clubs as an asset. And that's basically all it is Mm. Um, because you don't have the local butcher owning a club anymore. And you don't have the local businessman who lives around the corner being the owner of the club. It's, it's owned by Americans and um, Middle Eastern shakes. And it's, it's different now. And I think the, the ethics does fly out the window a little bit on ones like this, where, you know, there'd be a little bit of pressure from the boardroom saying, "Play him as long as he can. If he's if he's not been found guilty and not been banned by anyone, why would we sideline him?" Mm. I think it's different in the 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 Mason Greenwood one, Sammy. Where, um, oh, completely. You know, that's completely. Our, we're talking about betting, which is um, you know something that is not allowed by the the FA rules, but actually the Mason Greenwood is a criminal charge exactly and I think that's, that's very different but exactly. um don't you don't yeah. you think don't you think it comes down to and i think uh, jack and laws uh said it so beautifully in one of their blogs um and i think it was not long after the man city revelations came about you know all their financial um issues that that were disclosed not so long ago and um you know, and and then the Chelsea game, and they said uh, something to the tune of, you know, um, the joy that we get from being Fulham fans and a relatively squeaky clean club, so to speak, uh, a business none, nonetheless, but a squeaky clean club, it's priceless, the, the actual feeling you get from progressing and doing what we've done in a mm. relatively clean way, whereas the you know the money that's been pumped into Chelsea, the money that's been pumped into City, and how that's been utilised, and it's it's a win at all costs, which I'm I guess I'm accusing Brentford of here, and turning a blind eye, just looking the other way and saying, oh, I, no, I haven't got a phone call from the FA, so I'll just keep playing him until I'm mm. told I'm not, and just ignoring any uh, obligation to act ethically. Well, mm-hmm. I think that flows into the stands, and you 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 you, you know you, you you get what you wish for as a club, and as as a as a whole um, yeah as a whole unit. I do I do want to say as well that um and I, I want it to be on the record that um as a person Ivan Tony I actually feel very sorry for them because clearly 
there is something. He's not bi- not- he's non-binary, Sam. He's not non-binary. Yeah, ugh, that's that's way more contentious than anything that I was going to say. But like, genuinely, yeah. genuinely, 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 uh, like, I I think that there is a much deeper issue going on there that would kind of like create the circumstances where he would like just kind of be putting himself in this position because he know there is no way he d- he doesn't know that he's not allowed to do those things. So, and he has essentially. The, the finances to essentially be fine and so it's just coming down to like the thrill a little bit and i think that that is something that also needs to be addressed and that is something that only ivan tony can essentially sort out for himself and i want him to be able to sort that out for himself i, I think that's a, a very nice way of looking at it but these guys when they become professional footballers you, you get sat down and go through a lot of training about mm. how you're meant to act. They go through media training. Yeah, and, and they're privy to so they much information. The they got read the rules very early on, and the rules say do not bet on any football. And, yes, he may have a gambling issue, and that's that's very sad, but at the end of the day, you, he's still told you're not allowed to do it, and he still went ahead and did it a lot. It's not like he had a gambling yeah. issue and had a tiny little backslide and made a couple of bets he's had a you know if he's got a gambling issue and he's making that many bets um and there may be even more that we don't know about as well um that that's when you know he should have come forward to the club and said there's an issue or because it's it's been going on for such a long time um yeah i I think you can feel sorry for him to a point but he got told the rules as well like he and he's gone against the rules even if you got a problem there's still rules in place and you know he's a professional footballer who's earning you know sixty thousand pounds a week and he's putting that in jeopardy because he wants to have a little bet every now and then i think it's you can feel a little bit sorry for someone but he's in a position where um he, he doesn't need to be doing it and you know he can get the help he needs if he wants to these clubs have sykes and all sorts of you know avenues for help and he's just gone against the rules. And I think you have to sort of accept some of that. And we can oh, feel yeah, a bit course. sorry for him, but, you know, the, oh, but there's it's, so it's many examples. Though, isn't it? And it's there's like, so yeah, many I, examples. I, I, yeah, you're getting into a tricky area here. Like, you know, um, you know, people who have addictions notoriously can't help themselves, no matter how yeah. small or whatever it is. So, I, I you know. If the guy's got an addiction, I actually personally feel very sorry for him. I'm still sure there's a sure. number of people around the boardroom table. And yeah, <laughs> I know, no, but that's he's got a problem. And and, and there's a number of people around a boardroom table who probably don't have gambling addictions, they just want to make money. And that's yeah. why I'm really, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. Um, an interesting comment here from Steve Reynolds on our Facebook Live uh, is over a period of years, others have been banned mm. during that time for the same thing as well. And totally. you know, as we said, the 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 offences took place during a time when we did see Joey Barton get banned. We saw Kieran Trippy getting banned, and he still kept doing it. So mm. I, I think, yes, there might be an issue there, but surely you realise at that point that you have to actually just you have to stop and get help. And oh yeah, of you course. Know, part of the issue is he didn't reach out and get help for himself. Mm. And and I do um, want him to essentially reap consequences for the actions, but I'm just saying yeah. that the actions have a deeper meaning. Yeah potentially um let's move forward anyway um let's get everyone's um prediction for this game uh sammy i'll start with you oh yeah. uh, you know what i'm gonna go two nil us two nil fulham uh yeah. goal scorers uh Solomon, <laughs> I'm going to say Solomon, <laughs> and who else would? Who else really? I'm, I, do you know what? I could maybe see Anthony Robinson doing a kind of like weird, chaotic, um, just kind of like maybe he like he uh, attempts a cross 
and then it just kind of like pings off of the back of like Jensen's head or something like that. Like a typical Anthony Anthony Robinson goal. Like the the ones that only Anthony Robinson can go, and the ones where he always looks a little bit surprised that it happened. Hey, Robinson like, Robinson scores bangers. He scores. He likes taking a shot from outside the box. I, I yeah, can and see it. he always looks kind of surprised when he actually gets it though. That's the part that I love about him. I I see Solomon um doing a world beater. And Anthony Robinson being confused and perplexed and just very pleasantly surprised. Dad, your prediction for the game? Uh, one one of the greatest things about the last fixture was actually the surprise return of Mitro for me. And I mm. thought he looked really happy. He looked incredibly... Um, he, he was so happy to share it around and... Uh, I, I think he loves what's happening with with Mana Solomon. Um, yeah, he, he was you so know, happy. I think he's really, really enjoying that. But I think Mitro is going to return to form. I think it's going to be two one. I think it will struggle to keep them out because they do score a lot of goals. Uh, Tony's going to play, and if he doesn't score, he's going to be part of it. And I think they're going to score one. We'll get two, and one of them is going to be a return to Mitro success from the spot. Ooh, penalty for Mitro. I think it'll yeah, be a good way for him to get that. back into it. I could see that, um, you know. Yeah. It'd be interesting to see if he gets the ball because we know <laughs> that a lot's been talked about. And, uh, yeah, I wouldn't be overly surprised if he didn't get given the opportunity, but we'll see. Silver, <coughs> Silver will back Mitro. Silver will back him. Oh, yeah, of course. Can I'm we... going for oh, – go on, Sammy. Oh, just really quickly, because I feel that like we didn't cover it enough um, last part. How happy was Mitrovic when Solomon scored last week? Yeah, he was lovely. so uh, he looked like one of my nephews. Like honestly, he had like the biggest baby, fat baby smile going on. It was so funny. Anyway, sorry, Jack. Um, I'm going to go with a, a two-all draw. I think there's going to be goals in this one. I reckon. I, I reckon Tony's going to score. I can see that happening. Um, and I, Brentford's a tough place to go. I, I just see this one having goals in it. I think the last time we played them, there was a 3-2 victory for us. Um, uh, without Polinia, I think we're going to be a little bit light in midfield, and I think it's going to give them a couple of opportunities. Um, but I agree. I think we're going to see Mitro return to some scoring form, and I reckon Solomon's going to go 5-5 five from five as well, mm-hmm. um, which I, I think is just going to be an outstanding moment. Is it going to be the same spot? Is why I want to know. <laughs> no, he's going to do something completely different. Maybe he'll curl one from the left with his left foot into the same Ooh, corner. Yeah, um, okay. No, I'm. I'm. I think this is just going to be a a really great game. It's such a shame that it's a, a late one for us over here in in Australia. But I think a, a game under lights against Brentford is just going to be, oh, you know, one of those moments where you just want to be there in person to actually experience it. And I'm very jealous of all the fans who are going to be able to get along to that game. Um, So look, guys, I think we've very, very deeply covered this game. Um, uh, Like I said, we're really looking forward to it. And I'm looking forward to actually talking through the result from this one as well. And hopefully it's another Fulham win and we get ourselves past that 40-point mark and uh, march up the table a little bit further and, and keep the pressure on for those European spots. Um, a big thanks to everyone on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, uh, TikTok, who have been engaging with us. We've had some um, really good conversations recently on, on Twitter and really seen a bump in our following, which has been hugely appreciated. And thanks to everyone as well who's listening to the podcasts on Spotify, Apple, Google, wherever you get your podcasts. We've seen a, a really big bump in our numbers recently, and it's been uh, uh, really enjoyable to to sort of follow that and see how we're growing. So it's it's incredibly appreciated by all of us. Um, so Sammy, thank you for joining us for this one today. Hopefully, we'll see you in another couple of weeks. Ah, oh, thank you very much. I always like going deep on a pod like this. So yeah, no, it was fun. I liked it a lot. And Dad, thank you for joining us today. Yeah, it was a good chat and uh, well steered, Jack. I know uh, you're trying to keep us away from that topic, but. Uh, I thought we weren't going there at all, and well done for taking us. I enjoyed it. I, Thanks for I'm, listening, everyone. I'm, I'm pointing the finger at you there. You kept on, you kept on steering us back into that. I will not, I will not, uh, I will not be blamed. Uh, it had to, it had to be talked about, and I think we, you just have to be a bit careful when you're talking about those kind of things. But I think we had a, a pretty good conversation around it, and uh, 
uh, it's it's you know one of the stories of the season so far. It's not something that happens very often. Every sort of five years or so, you see these big stories pop up, and so I think it would be um, wrong of us to just ignore it and not talk about it properly. So, um, so look, guys, uh, thank you again, and until next time, come on, you whites.